Hey, what's up? My name is Thomas Harpole. I'm a musician and entrepreneur based in Denver. Welcome to the Harps Collective. Since I was two years old with my little tape recorder made by Fisher Price, I've collected stories, wisdom, ideas, bits and bobs, research, hidden gems from cool people from all different places and walks of life, just because there's so many damn things to learn. So I figured, why not share this smorgasbord of things into a little collection, some serious things, some not, and call it the Harps Collective. That's me. I hope you enjoy and reach out anytime to say hello. You can find me and my music on social media at Thomas Harpole and sometimes at a little dive bar in Denver called JD's Bait Shop. <laughs> Have a great day. And we welcome you in to the Harps Collective. Here we are. It's a beautiful Wednesday afternoon and I am here. My name is Thomas Harpole. This is the Harps Collective, an unofficial segment called Tea with Thomas, where I will be having a cup of tea today with musician native to Denver, Colorado, Zach Heckendorf, who is here with me today. I am very excited for this. This is an inaugural podcast. Zach, how are you? Good, good, man. Thanks okay. for having me. I'm going to read Zach's bio just in case you don't know who Zach Heckendorf is. Musician and songwriter Zach Heckendorf has one of the most gifted right hands I have ever seen. And today I get a chance to interview this acoustic ninja and poet. By age 18, Denver native Zach Heckendorf had signed his first record deal, released his first album, played Colorado's legendary Red Rocks Amphitheatre, and shared stages with Rodrigo y Gabriela, John Butler Trio, Brett Denon, the Lumineers, Michael Frantian Spearhead, Guster, Phil Collins, no, I made that up, and One Republic. He toured the country extensively for several years and has built a grassroots following this past decade playing in clubs and music venues across the United States. Zach returned to Columbia University the last four years, earning a degree in creative writing, and now 20... Seven years old, am I right? 27, and on his own two feet touring, Heckendorf has developed his craft, combining his bread and butter of fluid songwriting and strong musicianship with a deep passion for contagious, viral, and malignant hip-hop rhythms so infectious they have met Meta metastasized into the extremities. I can't even read my own writing in a, of a few folks in his vibrant fan base. Heckendorf has an undeniability to energize a room, establishing a relationship with his audience. Now with the full band, his dynamic range extends beyond acoustic common ground into a thorough and raucous, even cacophonous sound. Heckendorf plans to explode into the new upcoming decade with the launch of his new album entitled Hawk Talk. Hawk Talk. Heckendorf was recently poetically quoted saying, I want to make things crystal clear. I am seeing 2020 going into 2020, and there is nothing fuzzy that will get in my way or stop me. Now colloquial known to some as the wandering Jew, Zach has made his habitat and home in New York City. When he's not writing music, he can be found sharpening his skills as a Wim Hof cold plunging advocate and voracious reader of political theories, utopian unrealism, and has a guilty pleasure for scientific papers on the nimbulostratostrophic spheric weather patterns predominantly <laughs> in the latter 19th century. That was just a tidbit. He is a friend to all, a dear friend to some, and an intimate partner to extremely few and currently none. But I have the specific privilege of calling him a homie and brother. He and his band will be headlining the iconic Bluebird Theater in Denver uh, on January 9th and headlining some other shows coming up here at the start of the year. Uh, is that true, Zach? Yeah, dude, that was impressive. And my friends, I welcome to the show, Zach Heckendorf. Wow. Sorry, I wrote that in my spare time. I just wanted to get into the habit of writing Holy some copy. Holy moly. Yeah, that's, that was good, dude. 
You should write my bio. <laughs> I will. I will. I, I, I have a pretty good hourly rate. So we're here having some tea. It's a beautiful Denver day. I'm thrilled to be doing a podcast with someone that I grew up listening to in even in, in high school and in the college days, listening to Zach's songwriting and acoustic genius. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the music. Um, he is one of the most talented acoustic songwriters I've ever met in person and seen the riffs and as a musician, a deep respect for uh, what you do on the acoustic guitar. Thanks, bro. Which is fantastic. I appreciate that. I absolutely love it. So uh, we have had a good summer. I was fortunate enough to go to some shows and met Zach and offered to come along doing some promo, digital, some side music, just I would say some uh, general tomfoolery, so to yeah, speak. And, uh, and as a co-pilot on tour, we run around the western part of the United States and uh, here we are. I'm back. Yeah, man. Yeah. So what did you think of our little escapade with the band through the western United States? Dude, it was, uh, it was great. It was, um, I haven't been on the road in a long time, so that was kind of like the reinitiation i guess mm. you know what i mean it was for me for me for for me personally just to be like oh okay so this is how you tour this to, is how you do it right to go back and basically rough it into 15 gigs more or less combined yeah. across that's house a, shows and that sounds right uh in proper venues as well yeah um, small clubs that was a fun time it was man that was that was yeah it's a lot of work i mean it's fun it's work but when I'm off the road, then I'm like, yes, I missed the whole so thing. Just, so if anybody hasn't heard your music before, obviously they will after this, but tell us about your story growing up in Denver, yeah. about high school, and how you, I guess, took an unconventional route, even from starting from the age of 16, 17, before the end of high school, and what happened. Yeah. So I've been writing songs since I started playing guitar, which was around the age of 10, and uh, just didn't stop writing. I just kept going, kept going. I I would... Through the years, I would periodically hit the studio and just record what I'd done. And the first couple of times, it sucked. And then one time in high school, I recorded five tunes mm -hmm. and uh, was super. I was not like hustling and like trying to get it out to anybody. I just gave it to a few friends, and it it just kind of spread throughout our my high school, and then kind of went out from there. And so I guess it was like a this magic thing that I didn't even know had that kind of power had that. That, those legs on it mm -hmm. and that led to getting booked for shows in denver getting a manager and then uh by the time i was about to go to college i got signed to a major label deal uh did that for a couple of years got dropped kept going trying to like you know i did the kickstarter thing uh funded a record doing that and uh yeah now i'm here went back to college and now I'm here. I'm kind of. I kind of feel like I'm on my 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 uh, my second wave. Yeah, my second career wave. And you had, I remember, a lot of attention in Denver as far as high school kids yeah. that listened to, I would say, Colorado-inspired music. Yep. In different schools. I mean, everybody knew and probably went to an occasional gig or something like that because you were doing gigs in Denver at that time, right? When you were in. 18-ish years old. Yes, probably, yeah, 16 to 18, I would do gigs every every once in a while. Right, yeah. and these were sizable gigs. I mean, there were people showing up from everywhere. Totally, totally, yeah, it was crazy. And did you have a relationship with any local radio at the time, or what was the momentum like as far as PR and press? Then? Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of it was was through my man, my manager at the time, Chris Tetzeli, mm -hmm. who uh, isn't, um, just was so good to me, and 
really just plugged me into the whole the whole scene here in Colorado. And so, yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff started happening when I I did uh, the KBCO Studio C. Right. And that, cool. that okay. really kicked some things off. That's actually what got me signed. Um, the session on from Studio C? That's how this guy heard me. Okay. So, yeah, the radio was actually like a really important move for me at that point in my mm. career. It's funny how that still played a role even in an age of digital and yeah. internet. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is funny. I think... Uh, it's radio is still powerful. Yeah, it really is. And I, and I, when I started like touring and my song, all the right places was got into the radio circuit, mm-hmm. you start to see just how powerful it is because it, um, you know, you show up to a place you've never been and there's a bunch, you know, a bunch of people that know the words to the tune and you, you it kind of, it's like Insta fan right. in, in different <laughs> regions. And, uh, so that was pretty, that was a cool experience, man. I have a lot of respect mm. for, for the radio world. So you've been through the machines, so to speak, and, and had to work with managers, promoters, talent buyers, yeah. PR at the time, a major artist that took you under your wing. What was that like? It was cool, man. I think I didn't, at the time, I didn't really like see how crazy and rare it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it didn't, it, it, when, when I was in the middle of it, it didn't feel like something... I don't know. I probably didn't give it the weight that, that I should have, yeah. you know, uh, which is probably one of the reasons that I got dropped. Right. To be completely mm-hmm. honest, you know? So I think what's good about that is that this time around, I feel a lot more, I don't know. I feel like I, I respect the whole process a lot more because I've, I've, I've been through it and I've seen what not to do. And so now I just, yeah, I'm just like really grateful for it any help that that comes my way and anyone who wants to be a part of the team uh you know it's fucking awesome cool okay great well um tell me about the worst song you have ever written and the worst lyric specifically in that song that makes you nauseous and unlikely to ever write something like that again oh man ooh that's a hard question a song that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy have i ever written something that bad uh (laughs) Huh. I've made some beats sometimes that are like questionable uh-huh. with some, some hooks that, but you know, no, I still like them. I still liked them. I, you know, I think when I was starting to write songs, I was really into like Blink-182 and Sum 41 and all those kind of pop punk bands. So I would write, I would end up writing these songs when I was just starting out that were like super, super cliche emo kind of thing. So it'd be like... <laughs> I just remember in one notebook I had when I was probably in like fifth or sixth grade, I I actually had the line like ashes to ashes, dust to dust. <laughs> and this made it into an actual song of yours? It made it into a song, but you know. Oh man. Pretty, pretty rough. We might have to get a live cut. I, just, I wish I, I wish I could think of, I mean, the thing is, is like now I'm at the point where I, everything I write, like I'm stoked about. Yeah. You know? Um, so you're not the kind of artist that says, I never, I don't want to listen to what I write. I, some artists really struggle with that, with their own music. Oh, so. I don't listen to my recordings. Okay. A hundred percent. No, definitely not. Okay. Because I think, again, it's just, it's just when you're listening to your own stuff, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I know but it sounds bad. You're saying while you're writing it and performing it and when, especially the birth of a song. No, I, I love it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I don't want I don't want to sound like I'm hating on my right. music. It's just like, I love writing it. I love recording it and I love playing it. 
but but I just don't enjoy listening back to it that much. Yeah. Hmm. I like listening back to vo- voice memos. You ever you ever do that? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's pleasurable. Just say how do I <laughs> I sound nice in that voice memo. Yeah. That high quality microphone embedded in my. Well, I think it's because you're usually when you're recording those voice memos, you're capturing that initial magic. Yes. Of the the dissension. Yeah. My mind, right? Yeah. Where the artistic inspiration just drops on you. Hundred percent from above. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And and I think what happens when you record a song is you know. I guess the process is usually, let's say you, you're really killing it and you, you know, you write a song and you record it the next week. By the time that week has passed, it's like something has chemically changed. Yes. And so when you go to the, the studio and you record it, it's just, it's hard to be really stoked on, it's hard to capture that initial magic in a recording. Yeah. So that's why I, th- I think if you can record and whatever that initial magic is, like right up front, if you can finish the tune, put it into your, your software and get it done, that's probably a, a smarter hmm. process because you're, you're capturing that initial magic. But So but, are you against the idea of releasing an album of just voice memos? Uh, um, no, no. I think that would be pretty cool. I think that'd be cool too. A little EP, voice memos. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you, you start, I hear it's it. avant-garde. Dude, I hear that stuff in a lot of people's music now. Voice memos? Yeah, there was a, oh. you know, Charlie Puth? Yeah. Yeah. He had a record that was called the uh, voice notes that he just put out. Oh yeah. And I, I don't know if it was connected to the voice memo thing, but yeah, you, I hear it once in a while in pop music where someone uses a voice memo. Mm. I was just, yeah, it'd be cool if artists could, if you could listen to the art, uh, the voice memos in an artist's phone mm. and kind of say that was the Genesis back in June of you know, 2015, then you heard it come out in a studio later. Like if an artist released or had gave access to his. That is a good idea. You know, I think you'd have to, I know the issue for me is I'd have to curate that a little bit Mm -hmm. because I'll have like a dope voice memo, maybe another dope voice memo. And then I'll have one where I'm just like playing the same four chords and over and over for like 20 minutes. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh Just to create a loop so you can write over it. Yeah. Cause I'm like writing and right, right. But, just trying to hear the melody or so that would be work. that would be boring, right? I imagine. I hey, there's some people that might be into that. Yeah, I mean, I listen to loops and beats. It's basically a beat. Yeah, a loop. Yeah, lo-fi. Well, I feel that. <laughs> That's lo-fi cool. for life. Bro. Okay. All right. So the worst song that you've ever written is an emo song with the lyric "Ashes to Ashes, Dust to Dust," something like that. Yeah. yeah. From dust we came and dust we shall return. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's really nice. So that's the worst. What about what is the most powerful theme for you right now in your music as at your age compared to when you were 17 or 18 years old? What has changed, whether positive, bright in the theme or darker in the theme hmm. nine to 10 years later? I mean, I'm just so much more happy with my songwriting now than really? I was 10 years ago. Yeah. Cause I think, um, I feel like I'm a, my head's more clear than it was when I was 17. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think like being a 17 year old, it's not, not the easiest time in life. Right. Not, not that I had a hard situation or anything, but, um, yeah, you're just figuring a lot of stuff out. And so I think, I think my music has over the years become increasingly clear. The songwriting has become increasingly clear and I see that resonating with people well, um, I think what maybe the music has lost over over the decade or whatever is maybe 
uh, maybe some of the spontaneity goes away when, as you increase clarity. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. Because I think when I was when I was writing when I was like 16, 17, I would just be throwing words up at the fucking dartboard. Like really, wh- whatever whatever words rhymes, would, whatever fits to the point where whatever I don't sounds cool. Whatever sounds cool. I was trying to be rhythmic. Yes. And, beep, bop, 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 <laughs> and so <laughs> I never heard a robot song. I don't know if you maybe that I missed that one. But uh so so it's to the point where I hear some of the songs and I'm like, I have no idea what that was written about. But yeah. some people still really like those songs because there was some emotional resonance. I was unintentionally communicating something that was resonating with people. Mm. And but that's also even if it were dressed up, embellished with lyrics and such that totally. you wouldn't, might not write today. Totally. There's still a message or something was working. Yeah. Because yeah. I still, I mean, I like that music, even if it's 10 years old now. Totally, totally, man. And I, I hear that a lot where, where like people will say like, my first EP is still their favorite thing. Really? Yeah, yeah. I hear that a lot. And I, and I, a part of me like reacts like, fuck that sucks, you know, because like you <laughs> want, you want your newest stuff to be right. the stuff that people like the most, but I, t- I totally get it. I totally get it. Mm. So I, I think that's one thing I'm interested in kind of capturing again is some, some, some real like spontaneity. Maybe like, maybe I don't always have to make so much sense in my songwriting. Right. Right. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. You don't necessarily get to dictate the hundred percent literal meaning of your music. You know, you have to detach. Well, even, even when you yeah, think yeah. you're getting yeah. a message across clearly, you're not dictating what right. people are picking up. <laughs> It's like, I'll, I'll think, I'll think that I'll write a song and it's crystal clear what to take away from it. And people will say something completely different that they got something totally different from it. So that's why, that's actually why I like the idea of not saying anything about your tunes and being like, but, but I find that at shows, it helps people digest the tunes Mm -hmm. when I tell them, Hey, this is my song, the harvest. It's about self-love. I wrote it on a trip mm. in Mexico, whatever, my bullet points for that yes. song. I think it helps them engage with the tune more. But in an ideal world, I would never say a word mm. about what the songs are about. That's good. And let them put themselves in the story of the song. Yeah, yeah. Because like they, their, their brain is going to take it in different directions that I, I wouldn't, yeah. you know, and, and that's how I want it to happen. Mm. So on the flip side, what lyric are you most proud of that you've written? Or idea, or phrase, verse? You know, if, if somebody had to listen to one verse or, or a snippet of a song just to capture huh. who you are and how how pleasant the songwriting is, how well thought out it is. I'm pretty stoked on on a, the new tune on the record, uh, Stronger Than I Once Was. Mm. I know you know that one. Yeah. We, yeah. we played that on the tour. Yeah. Uh, it's the lyrics are like pretty, not psychedelic, but kind of fantastical. It's like it's at the beginning of the song, you like the character starts in hell and like ascends his way up into uh, just different levels. And I'm really stoked on the lyrics in that song. Cool. I feel like, I feel like I, I, I did a, had a nice mix of that spontaneity where I feel like lyrics were kind of just coming out of the ether yeah. getting into the song and also me kind of planning it out and fleshing it out and giving it a narrative art. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I'll do, have do you want a specific lyric? No, no. I'm gonna ask you after you after you 
play the verse or just just a, a 20 to 30 second snippet oh, of okay, it. okay okay yeah um is the guitar that we have is that in the right tuning for it or no i'd have to i'd have to drop it to d oh okay go ahead go ahead i want i would can you, you just play it? a snippet of that song or do you yeah do you have a do you have a pick by any chance yeah i do okay we're back everything is organized zach has a pick so just i guess we're going to jump right into it i'm i'm curious hopefully this mix is decent on the actual audio side but Give us a little snippet of the verse, or at least what is the catchiest part of the song, in your opinion. Yeah. I think the intro really is. The intro. Palm meeting. Yeah, 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 me too. Yeah. Um, so it goes, uh, Well, these mountains are turning to mud. The king is chewing on his cut. And the Indian giver that gave me my liver will come take it back for good. The diamonds are covered in blood. Your babies were born in a flood. And if this is the river, I said with a shiver, then we better learn to swim good. So I took a dip in the river sticks. Thought, will I make it out of this and come back stronger than I once was? And I sat on a wave, rode it through hell, fought with the devil and popped up the well and I came back stronger than I once was. Yeah. Then it goes into the little jam part. Right, right, right. Yeah. So it's it's almost rhythmic in the way that the words are coming out. Like it, the, the words have their own cadence to them. Yeah. They're almost an instrument in the music. Yeah, totally. In addition to the actual words. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I also like the returning to that hook, the just the stronger than I once was. Yeah. I love, I, I, I'm really proud of that because- that repetition by the end of the song, I feel like the stronger than I once was, it it has strength. Yes, in it, you know, and I like, yeah. So I'm I'm just stoked on that song. Okay, Enjoy. cool. That's awesome. Well, that uh, is coming out on the new album Hawk Talk. Hawk Talk. Stronger than I once was. Fantastic tune. I think that is my favorite tune as well. Sweet. Just because of yeah. I mean the the acoustic stuff that that Zach is doing for those of you that haven't listened to his music or um, maybe just haven't connected with acoustic music as much as you, uh, as much as you should, uh, amazing riffs. I mean, seriously, there's a lot of left hand action going on in the music yeah. that, um, I think that's become your trademark. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I but it, it, yeah, it's, it's really fantastic. So we'll have you come up with it. We'll do another song here in a second, but, um, I want to keep mixing it up, mashing it up between yeah. your story. Okay. But let's get a little bit more, um, creative or, um, well, first of all, okay. What is the worst advice someone has ever given you Oh man. that you would encourage nobody to ever listen to? Uh, Zach has no idea these questions that I'm asking him either, but oh, I am man. curious about it. Worst advice. This could be professionally. This could be personally. This could be anything stranger at a bus stop. <laughs> um, man, I don't want to name names. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to couple that with who is a person that you want to completely avoid ever turning out to be? <laughs> who do I want to avoid? I mean, I guess, I mean, the first name that comes to mind is, is, is Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> okay. I think that's absolutely <laughs> I'd like to avoid, avoid that at any, uh, 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 but uh, no. Okay. Worst advice. I don't want to get murdered either. <laughs> uh, okay. Worst advice. I don't know, man. I have a buddy. I won't name his name, but gives pretty bad girl advice. Oh, really? Yeah. What did he tell you? Just, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I shouldn't take relationship advice from this man. (laughs) (laughs) 
And okay. sometimes I do, and it doesn't. Okay. Doesn't so, work what well. is the best relationship advice that someone has given you? Just if you don't have a, a nugget on the worst. Oh, the best, the yeah. best, best relationship advice. Yeah, because this has to do with songwriting, right? Relationships. And yeah, and then some. Sometimes in songwriting, it's the voice. The songwriter is the voice of reason, the advisor to someone mm. listening. The warning. Yeah. The, sometimes the song takes more of the moral responsibility role. Yes, totally, 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 man. I think, I mean, it's it's a cliche, but but just just the idea of like really getting your shit together before mm. before you even get in relationships. I f- I feel like I I find myself in trouble a lot when I'm when I if I find if I enter into a relationship when I'm not like my best self, mm-hmm. I'm set myself up for failure. Yeah, or for some some type of disaster. Hmm. That's interesting. But see, this is the great thing that and i love how all the songwriting is the backbone for all of this because i think music is probably a way that you and i have related to the world since we were young and the, the, the idea that a relationship can fix you and that love saved you and you were nothing and that was the songwriter's view mm-hmm. before the woman or the partner came along if you're uh you know or the other idea is that you were fully yourself and taking care of yourself and I don't know. Their self love was a huge factor. Yeah, I I hear successes in both of those worlds. Uh, well, that that fascinates me. That that is very interesting, man. I think. Well, what's funny is that the songs never stop working. You know, so like when someone writes a song that is like, oh, what's what's the what's that famous Oasis one? Today Wonder is what? gonna be the day that they're gonna. The, yeah. What's the chorus is? It's like, uh, and, and maybe <laughs> you're gonna be sure. the one that saves yes. me. And that that sentiment will never die because we, I mean, there is such a, there is a, I don't know, when, when you're in love or when there's love shared between any number of people, it, it, it is does feel like this, you've reached a pinnacle. So it does feel like this kind of, oh, the, you know, this person saved me sort of thing. But- I don't know. I don't know, man. I actually wrote a song about this one time with my friend Hannah. Uh, it was like, it was like the chorus was, "Are you gonna save me like they all say?" That was like mm-hmm. the hook in the chorus. Are you gonna save me like they all say? Mm. And I don't know. I've just found that that doesn't work for me. Hmm. Think you think you could write a song? I'd like to write a song the other way around, which is like, I don't need you to save me. You know, I just want to experience you as you are. Totally, right? totally. That's totally. that would be an interesting perspective because you tend to hear maybe in more of the more traditional country folk, but the songwriter that berates himself for how inadequate he is until he has the purpose of a relationship. Yes, or something, a family, a children, big one. You uh-huh. know, I think of uh-huh. like uh, the the Avid brothers and such in in a lot of traditional t- songwriting. That the partner or the child saved them as far as who uh, they are. Well, I think, man, I think, and he's divorced now, by the way. Ha ha. <laughs> well, see, see, that's that's the weird thing. I, I, that's 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 very interesting. Man. There's a, I. So when I'm when I'm like really stable and I hear those songs, I kind of like react poorly to them. Like when when I'm when I'm like, I don't know when I'm not when I'm. Uh, super happy with my life and myself and all that stuff. And I hear a song that's like, Oh baby, save me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, ah, shut up, dude. (laughs) But then, but then when I'm like, if I'm ever like feeling vulnerable or whatever, like one of those songs will really just knock me over. 
That just that just happened with me with that um you know Louis Capaldi. I don't know. He's this like pop guy, but he has a song right now. And when I first heard the song, I was like, "Fuck you, dude!" <laughs> like this is lame. But now, like I hear I hear it, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is so good, it's so emotional." But it's a song called uh, it's like it's like it's pretty much like an Adele cop, but it's like someone someone you used to love or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like the it's a huge song. You'll I'll, I'll I'll send it your way, but it's just a song that it's the biggest song in the world right now. And it's just capitalizing on that feeling of I made myself vulnerable and I got hurt. Hmm. You know, I thought that you were going to save me and it didn't, that didn't, that didn't work out. So man, it's just that, that's, that really interests me how human emotions just never change. Like Hmm. we, we are in some ways we're kind of simple and as songwriters, there's emotional buttons that if you figure out how to hit them well, will always work. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There are patterns in the history of songwriting, right? In 80 to 100 years of lyrical, popular songs, you know? I would argue it just it doesn't change that much. No, it's not. And then it's people saying, it's just, it's humans speaking to their existence over and over again, right? 100%. Using different words. But I, I think that's interesting. And, and so it's not a crime to write in the same theme that many others have before you and to use the same general, I guess, words or tools to communicate. Uh, I guess people, you like to write or want to be, I assume, a little bit of a pop artist, right? To appeal to the masses with the music, which some might say, well, I'm going the other way. I'm going to be extremely indie as, as as an artist. So, but I, what I'm trying to say is there's nothing wrong with writing a handful of chords in a, in a beautiful song that moves humanity despite how simple the music is totally and the lyrics. So that's an interesting tension. There is what separates a nice, simple song that's extremely beautiful from a simple song that really doesn't have that much thought. Put yeah. Into it. Yeah. Well, well I definitely, when I like, I'm a huge fan. I listen to a lot of pop music mm-hmm. and I can draw a pretty sharp line in the sand between who, who is making pop music that I think is, worth something Mm -hmm. and is has some some emotional intellectual value to it and stuff that is just really really like brain dead Mm. you know yeah (laughs) i I, um but i know there's people who would argue that all pop music is like that but i think there's there's an art to pop music uh just like there's an art to any other kind of music yes so what is drawing from your experiences at 17 through 21 as a active musician entering the scene and busy on the on daily and monthly as far as touring and producing music and such what is for a musician what do musicians spend time doing when they're not on the road because everybody always wonders this when they go home at the end of a tour and it's four months until the next set of what does it look like for you or what will it look like now that you're back as a professional again compared to man i'm i'm before. i'm literally in the process of figuring out what that looks like mm-hmm. because you know i yeah i that's i think one of the reasons i miss touring is like there's just so much concrete purpose and direction when you're on tour mm-hmm. you know you have to wake up at this time in order to be in this city play the show yeah, at this logistics time logistics structure yeah, yeah and so you you get in this pattern where that becomes the norm and then you kind of fall out and you're like, okay, 
what do I do now? And I, I think, um, I'm trying to figure out how to navigate that, man. Hmm. Do you have any? How do you, well, when you wake up, do you leave if, let's say it's a day where there's some event in the afternoon, but you have a lot of time during the day. Do you go somewhere to write? Is songwriting a daily habit? Is it something that you, you don't want to do every day? What about practicing technique versus actually inventing new music? Yeah. Or practicing Uh, your material? Yeah. I think, uh. Yeah, I'm I'm in the space right now where I'm just trying to like really hone my chops. So mm-hmm. I haven't been writing a ton. So actually, what I've been trying to work on is like making new content, mm. which which actually that does that does fill up a good amount of time. Yeah, but yeah, there's been I don't know how my week's been lately. There's been like a good amount of like businessy stuff that's been going on. You know, that takes some time and some emails and all that stuff, uh, but. I'm definitely in the process of finding a studio, uh, finding, finding a space where I can like kind of have a music office. Cause I think, um, I would love to be in, in a, I'd love to form more habits around music. Yeah. Be like, all right, from eight to 10, I am working on my guitar chops Right. from 10 to 12. I'm it's free time. I can do whatever I want. Mm. I can play bongos if I want. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd love to have that structure. And that's, I think something I'm working on right now. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. What is, what is one thing that, uh, very few people know about you? One thing. Huh? I think, I think maybe, I think I, I probably how much I like electronic music, mm-hmm. like how, how much that feeds me seeing hmm. or going to like a, a DJ set. It's actually one of the reasons I live in New York and not, and not Denver is because I like having access to that. It's like, I just, I love dancing. Hmm. Okay, great. <laughs> and, and when people <laughs> m- make music that makes me dance, uh, then I get excited. But I know, I, I know it, like I say that because I think sometimes that fact can kind of clash with the idea that I play acoustic guitar mm. and like write, you know, uh, acoustic songs, which I also love. Like I love going to see shows like that too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Why acoustic? Did you grow up listening? I'm just wondering, as opposed to you turning out to be an electric, making an electronic music or electric guitar mm-hmm. or rock, why what artists or what caused the roots inspired sound that you've had since you were young? The the roots thing, it happened. So I, I actually believe I am a drummer mm-hmm. at heart that just fell in with the guitar instead of drums. And I think, so what happened was I, I started, I mean, I was, I learned to write songs playing Jack Johnson tunes. Okay. So Jack Johnson is like an all time hero of mine. And so, and it was, it was him and Jose Gonzalez. Okay. And Jose, do you know Jose yep. Gonzalez? Yeah. Yep. So his stuff, his playing, his technique, I was always trying to emulate that in my head. I was always trying to like emulate Jack Johnson and Jose Gonzalez, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I think why the acoustic guitar works for me and why I end up playing it on stage more is that it's so much more percussive to me. I feel like, I feel like my right hand is the drummer mm. in so many ways, man. It's like, yeah. Let's grab it now. I think that's good. You can throw it into drop D if you want or whatever would be easiest to, because I want you to demonstrate the style that you have had now for over, I don't know, over a decade. 
mixed properly. So, so like I was playing that riff a little bit, this riff a little bit earlier, but this this is what I mean. So like this riff started off as, it's a little out of tune, but. And so I'm like, in that case, like that. So that's, that's, (laughs) that's, that's how I'm feeling it in my body. Right. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? And then, so that, that, that was the original rhythm, but then I changed it to. Yeah. So you have the backbeat going. One, two, three, four. So you're, you're using the slap as a snare on the two and four. Totally. And that's right? not, that's not unique. No, no, no. I'm just saying that's the foundation really or where you could start. Totally. Like my, as a guitar player. Yeah. 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 And I think my thumb is the kick. Yeah. I, like it's it's making a musical note. So it, it, you could hear it as a bass line and it, I am playing a bass line. So I'm, but for me in my, in, in how I feel the music and how I feel it in my, my body, uh-huh. I feel like I'm, the, that's the kick drum. Whatever's happening in my thumb. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so, uh, yeah. So a lot of times you hear the beat and then it's about rapping the acoustic because you're what I see you as is a finger style artist much beyond the scope of what Jack Johnson was, which in my mind was more pop. I almost see you as more of like if you see finger style players like Tommy Manuel, Andy McKee, uh, people that have popularized a Trace Bundy in Boulder. Yeah. Uh, you know, I people used to be that a fan of Trace. I yeah, go to his shows. Yeah, that that the dexterity among the actual fingers and the way they write music—they've just never put words around it. Yeah, that's that's Jose Gonzalez, right? So that that's where Jose comes in is because he, I, I was learning his tunes um, very poorly because he's he's, yeah, I think he's Swedish or Norwegian from one of those countries. Uh, but he's, I think his background is Brazilian. So a lot of his yeah. playing is, is, mm. uh, um, has Brazilian roots, I think. Um, the nylon guitar, classical flamenco. Yeah. Inspired even jazz built into the guitar. Yeah. The Brazilian uh, style. hundred percent. hundred percent. And if you listen to his tunes, you'll hear that. You'll hear all yeah. of that stuff. And, but his, I was just always fascinated by how much ground he could cover with his guitar. I mean, when I when I listen to Jose Gonzalez, it's it feels as big to me as if I was listening to a hip hop track that was built out with super low end kick, snare, hi hat like yeah. that. I feel like that how complete that music is is total is it's always what i'm going for and i never have felt like i've reached it but i that's how i feel when i play the music is yeah um that's what i'm reaching for is is that how do i create everything with just me and my guitar hmm okay the whole band right so let's build out if you wouldn't mind i still i want to hear um the other riff that you were playing that where you can build it out as a song from starting from something in the drop D that you were doing oh, earlier. Yeah. 
or that other song. But basically, so maybe touch on like, here's a, a big thing, right? A technique or a motif or something that you learn from one song covering and you take that same idea and turn it into your own music, right? So you learn to cover a song and you're like, oh, cool. I like how they did that. Perfect. I'm going to try that in a different key or in a different rhythm. Totally. Okay. Okay. So that's, this is perfect. This is, this great. is a great segment. Okay. So, so this is drop, we're in drop D right now, right? Okay. And what is drop D just for someone that doesn't? So drop D is when you take the lowest string on the guitar and you, you'd make it even lower. So that's the lowest. Usually that note is uh, a step up. Yeah. So a do and a ray on the scale, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There we go. Uh, that's where the next note would normally be. Dude, you got some. You got some low end. Yeah, hey, I'm. I'm a bass baritone. <laughs> That's, That's why awesome. I can't do head voice. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is something I learned from Jose Gonzalez. So, okay. Usually, people are just um, rocking, rocking something in a uh, in drop D. They just take the D yep, down. Yep, yep. What I learned from Jose is if you take the G and you take that down to an F sharp. As part of the tuning, okay. As part of the tuning, you make a chord. It's 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 an open chord yep, on the yep, top yep. four strings. So his song uh, "Heartbeats" goes. Uh, you hear that? You hear how he uses that? The the low in there. Uh huh. to be confused one night to speed up truth we had a promise made four hands and then away both under influence we had divine sent to know what to say mind is a razor blade to call for hands of above to lean on wouldn't be good enough so you get the idea but yeah 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 it's so mm. cool mm. um and then so wow. i ended up using that tuning for so many songs. really really so many songs. of your songs yeah. okay yeah that's that's what uh you know my song real love the one yeah. i always end with right <laughs> It's really the same technique. You hear how he's going. He's hitting that that D as kind of like a drone note. Yep. I'm doing the same thing. Letting it ring too for the whole phrase, right? Yeah. It's almost like in a think of like a huge drum, right? Where they hit it on the one or exactly you know, something that just sustains. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's percussive. Totally. Totally. Right. Yep. And it brings you back to the phrase so it it's like this nice loop almost this meditative way it's totally totally and that's that is what i like about that's what i like about electronic music too is the loop i love how meditative yeah, looping yeah. can be yeah is that I, i'm just impressed I, I the music i love or a lot of the music i love is very meditative mm. and so yeah I, I like capturing that as well hmm. do you think mozart and Music legends would be into electronic music if they heard it today, or just take every 
legendary musician from the last 500 years. Yeah, 100%. Like we're still innovating musically. Do you think that we are still pushing the boundary of where music can go as a species? I think we definitely are sonically or like, like, like with the sounds themselves. I think that's what, that's, what's exciting about, you know, learning Ableton, learning how to work on a synth, learning whatever is that we do have a pretty amazing palette. Mm -hmm. We've had, we have an expanded palette, uh, as musicians working today. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I do. I do think that's exciting. And I think, yeah. So I think like if Mozart came alive today, I think he'd be bored by the theory of it. Okay. Depending on what he's listening to. I mean, because there, there is a lot of simple stuff that's going on. Music theory. Sure. Wise. It's like why someone like our, our buddy Elijah mm-hmm. is probably bored to tears of a lot of music that's being put out today is because theory wise is a lot of it's very simple. Yeah. And as you grow in your music theory knowledge, I think you become bored with not simplicity, but, um, cause simplicity can be cool, but, but, uh, you just get bored with the same thing over and over. Yeah. So, but I think, I think if anybody came back from the dead and heard what you could do, with um with sound and how much you can manipulate sound and how mm, timber of yeah mm. i think people they'd be jazzed yeah huh okay all do, right do you disagree with that no i i do i i think that uh i want you to hear it can you uh because this is what people will like can yeah. you take the a riff that is very simple and start to build on it right here yeah 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 let me uh so i'll go back to Regular D. Sure. Yeah. Tune it up a little bit. I can kind of cut this together and put it in different okay. segments, but I do want to have something building an actual tune. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is this is something I was working on, but I just couldn't really find a a home for it. But. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was just humming. So I was kind of just humming along with that. Yeah, following the melody. Yeah. Um, and then I had some chorus. I was like, but that's all over now. And hard to come up with a vocal line that doesn't follow that you know right really really hard to just sing something straight over while that's going on yeah i I tried to do something where it's like where you are that was just like the intro riff yes right and then it go and then it goes into like 
<laughs> whatever it is you know no but it that makes the song it takes it from being a, like a very sort of vanilla song yeah. in in drop d yeah exactly into something that, and that's the meditative thing yes that's how you you can make that melody meditative right i mean i know when i'm doing it i get lost in it definitely something that holds on the four on that g like yeah. a like a sustained vocal mm. that just hits like let's try that out let's try that out so uh, i've been alone i've been late That's pretty hot. Yeah, and then the vocals drop out unless you return to just the the melody. No, I'm saying that riff again. Yeah, you yeah, go back, to, to, the back to the riff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah and it's kind of like a re-intro. Yeah. It's almost like intro verse break, and intro then you start verse again. break. Yeah. This one, I'm kind of digging this. needs a pre-chorus i do you think, think the the same phrase should be at the end like a thing the same um actual words at the end going back into the on that riff again. No, yeah no, no. yeah like is that a vocal hook that should be repetitive could it could be yeah yeah i don't know yeah you know, it could, it could be that drops off yeah no i i think it depends on it but it kind of it just depends yes but yes mm -hmm. and then i think it needs something like some little chord change Going into a chorus, yeah, <laughs> and maybe a pre-chorus again. <laughs> so, do you hear the chorus right now in your head before the chords exist on the guitar? Like, like, do you hear vocally where it needs to go, or will you just play until you hear play on the guitar first until you hear like, okay, that I could I could fit something around that. Yeah, it's it's usually the latter, but yeah. sometimes I hear. Right. I mean, I can usually hear. And this is this is something that happens when you when after you study songwriting for long enough, and I'm sure you feel the same way about this. Like you kind of feel when you get to writing at, at the end of writing the first verse, you're like, okay, this needs to go up. Yes, my like melody energy, needs to. We rise. need lift. <laughs> yes, and that's actually a big challenge for me. I feel like a lot of songs, again, going back to the meditative thing, I get lost in the meditation aspect of it, and. But but the audience doesn't really care about how fucking lost you're getting in your meditative right. <laughs> space because the audience needs movement. Yes. You in order to take it on attention. a journey, you know, like this needs to go somewhere different emotionally. Right? Yeah. Like I hear that as very peaceful, the voice is low, like you're saying, singing with the melody. <clears throat> yeah. And then and then I hear like a yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, cool. something like, like that. It. Yeah, it's yeah. like into a head voice. You know. Yeah. Hold on, let me try that. Real quick. Yeah. I think it still goes the G. Because I had I had this for a chorus. That's all over now. Okay. And dun, 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 dun. 
See, that to me is like that has been done so many times. The six five four. That's the minor six five yeah. four. I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's so let's try your uh, your idea. Um, so. <laughs> you like that little pre-chorus thing? Yeah, yeah. Because we're gonna go to, to that for the chorus, right? Yeah, because the chorus would be like, on the way down, you know. Yeah, or the minor there to make it a little bit. Something, <laughs> something there. Oh, ah, so it's, it's, it's a little harder because we're in drop D, so it it might not. On the way down, on the way down, yeah, I'd have to figure out the chords on that one. Yeah, but again, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's a fair critique that it doesn't that it just stays in the same zone and it never leaves the space. But I'm not saying that that's that's what I was touching on earlier is is there's nothing wrong with fitting people know that in their brain and it's going to be very warm and familiar to them. Yes. By sitting on that 4 and then going to the 5 to resolve to the root. You yeah. know what I mean? Yes. You know, and then the 4 yeah, th- th- it's funny. This this song. No, you're right. I, I, that that is a uh, that's always been a challenge for me. Is I get I get so into whatever vibe I set on the first verse mm-hmm. that I just continue it through the chorus. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I actually, you know, who I blame for that. I blame Drake. Okay. Because I think I listen to so much Drake, and I think he influenced music so much that a lot of music you'll hear today doesn't lift that much in the chorus hmm. and i was listening when i was writing a lot of the songs probably on speed check by aircraft i was listening to a ton of music where it just wouldn't it would barely rise melodically yeah. on the chorus and what what hip-hop has in its bag is it can lift a chorus with the beat hmm. like that that's that's a that's a tool it's like sometimes if you if you just played you could probably pick a bunch of Drake songs, but if you just played a Drake song on an acoustic guitar and you went to an open mic and you performed, yeah, it, they might not all hit that hard. Do you know what I'm talking? You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You can't. The, there's an emotion or a feel to the the beat itself that's essential to the music. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so I think I'm still trying to crawl out of that hole that I fell into when I, uh, yeah, when I mm. when I got really into all that kind of music. Why do you think Drake took the world by storm? As far as what set him apart or allowed, why was he the phenomenon that he was and is still? Huh. I think I think because of his... Is it that no man. one wrote lyrics like that before or no one wrote about love and relationships and vulnerability like that before? Yeah. What was the, I guess, where did he push the genre or, you know, bring an innovative... Yeah, I could talk about this all element day. ...element to music. Yeah, so he, like... I think that I think a bunch of it was the branding. Like I know he was mm. like a protege of Lil Wayne, and I I remember watching something somewhere where, you know, Lil Wayne was told Drake, 
like, dude, just be yourself. Like what, what is yourself? And Drake, his brand, you know, has been, I think how he started was like this kind of this, um, he brought this vulnerability in, um, and some people can criticize that and make fun of that and people do, but, but I think that vulnerability, uh, and just that access to some of the more emotional side of, of, you know, being in love and, and, uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's hard. That's actually a hard one to dissect, but, um, the vulnerability was a part of his brand and, yeah. and it, right. And it really worked. And his voice is just, it's unique enough to where you hear it and you know it, you know, it's him. It's like, you never have to question. He has a, he has something, he has an X factor in his sound that is just addictive. And I mean, for, for me, hmm. uh, so yeah, well, it is for so many, you know, I like studying that from, you know, psychology perspective is why do some artists really take off worldwide like that? I mean, I'm sure there are other artists that write like him or did before him, but what was it about, you know, his music that, that caught on? Yeah. Know, understanding that. Yeah. It is. It is interesting. It does he, something to people. It does. You it know? does. He, man, I'm sure, I'm sure you could put your finger on what that is with Drake because I know, I know, you know, I know a lot of people, I know there's some like, I guess more quote unquote masculine people in hip hop who like make fun of Drake. They, they think he's kind of a, a wimp. Right. You know, to put it politically in a politically correct way, but, um, whatever it is, it worked, man. And, and, and it's something that you hear in his music now where he tries to cover up for that part yeah. of his brand, where he tries to be as hard as he possibly can right. be because, you know, he's got to make up for that. Right. I just like that. I like understanding because hip hop is such an essential part of culture and huge, yeah. it, it can't be ignored. And, and to learn from really the most prominent, one of the most prominent artists of the last 10 years yeah. Drake, and others that have been in, I mean, you look at Kanye West, yeah, right. And you just listen to his new album, right? What do you think about that? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I'm sure it's fantastic. Well, on, on so many levels, you can appreciate it, man. I mean, sonically it's just amazing he's someone who listen i think this is a point this is actually a good thing for all of us songwriters who play acoustic guitar and who are in the roots world and all that stuff we can take a tip from other people like kanye like i don't know a whole a whole list of people but people who take advantage of the fact that we have access to a larger sonic palette than we ever have have yeah. ever had in history i mean even if you're not making your own sounds, you can go to these sound these these banks or the there's plugins that have all these sounds, and figuring out ways to up or increase the amount of sounds that you're using and using them tastefully is something that I think we could all learn from as acoustic musicians because you know that you know I I've fallen into the trap of being like, okay, I like hip hop and I play acoustic guitar, so let's put some beats on this. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm kind of getting sick of that. And I and I actually just did it on the new record. Like, there's some songs where that's on there, and I'm. But I think there's also some more creative ways where we could, you know, you could just add one sound to a, a song that is just you and a guitar, and it's just one sound that is just ear candy-ish, has some sort of quality to it that that it just feels good when you hear it. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to like mix that into something, 
I think my, my, my theory is that that is going to be a smart move going into the future as a musician. Mm. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm actually going to go back and do just a straight single acoustic guitar album. I've been wanting to do the same. Yeah. Because I actually feel like I lose a lot of the thing that most people would enjoy in person anyway, as a song, like who's, who's putting out uh, an album now that's just one person and a guitar. Bro, the, watch, watch, do it quick because yeah. I, I'm really aware of trends. The trend is to people are going back to do acoustic records right now. Yeah. So mm. I would get that out now. I need to. <laughs> because people are getting tired of, like I yeah. said, beats on, a you know. Blends and yeah. I'm getting tired of right. it. For sure. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'm not too late to the party with this next record. But the um, what I'm saying for you, like when you re- record this this acoustic thing, is there are sounds that you could find that would really fit with these tunes. I'm not talking beats. I'm not talking. I'm talking maybe you loop the sound of running water and yes, and and you 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 EQ it in a way that it's not even you can't even tell what it is. Right. And that bed runs under the beginning of the song. That is awesome. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Something that's what that's what I take from the electronic world is you have choice in sounds. Yeah. And make use of them. Take that's what the good Kanye thing too. If you're doing an acoustic record, fuck up the sound of your guitar. You right. Know? I don't mean like just play it normally, but then maybe mess with the EQ and and do it in a way that doesn't sound like a Dave record or and I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying there, there are options to how you frame yourself as an acoustic mm. musician. And that's what I'm excited about in the acoustic world because mm. I believe, sorry, I'm kind of giving a manifesto here. but Well, that's it's so important though because we don't have an acoustic sound for 2020 and beyond yet. That's what I'm saying. And so, I, so for a lot of years, I was actually, I kind of got really down on myself for being an acoustic musician. Mm-hmm. because you you kind of feel, I don't know if you feel this, but like sometimes you feel like the train's moving without you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What, expand on that. I mean, I just like you don't hear that you, outside of like a really cheesy context where someone is like using an acoustic guitar as a, I don't know. So, I don't know. What's an example? I just don't hear that many acoustic musicians that are really like slaying it other than Ed yeah. Sheeran, you know? Yeah. Um, and even his music, it's like straight away from the acoustic thing. But what I really, truly and believe- same with Mumford and Sons. I mean, talk about- They strayed from that- They formula. walked away from the acoustic sound. 100%. Be, but, 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 but I will back them up on that because they were, they were probably wrong to do it in some sense. But if you were, if you were aware of the trends that they were- swimming in mm-hmm. while they were popular and still are it, it wasn't towards acoustic music mm-hmm. and but but what i believe is that and this i i talked to a producer named mario caldato who he he's like a hero of mine i recorded an album with him when i was signed to universal and it, it never got released mm, okay but he is just like one of the coolest smartest vibiest dudes i've ever met and he he, he produced the jack johnson records Really? Uh, he produced the wow. Beastie Boy record. Like he's cool. just, he's a legend. Yeah. And I was talking to him one time and I said, 
I brought, I brought up this exact idea. I mean, I said, man, sometimes I just feel like, I feel like ancient. I feel like, cause I had a producer ask, I said, a, I played a song. Sorry, I'm going on tangents. No, this is important. Because it is this important. This is what I think about a lot. This is important. So I, I played some songs for a producer one time in Los Angeles. Really, really cool guy. Did a lot of big stuff. I, I'm in a studio playing the songs. And after, after I, I stop, he says, you ever feel like you're playing historic music? <laughs> and that, How so though? Who wrote music other than in the 90s when it was a little bit more John Mayer and Dave Matthews riff based music? But how could you backdate what you're doing as a producer? How could he look at it as ancient? Because sonic palettes change. Mm-hmm. What people are used to changes. So I will tell you, this is the battle. And this is actually probably something... This is ah, this is good. I'm glad we're getting this. Right. Um, what people's ears get used to, the people's ears change, just like just like when just like a, a, a taste palette would change over time. It's like as they put more salt into the food that we're eating, we increasingly want more salt in our diet. Mm-hmm. Then there's kind of like the the pendulum swings and then people want to cut salt out of their diet and that's cool too but the same thing happens in music where if if the norm becomes i think the norm in a lot of senses has become low end heavy low end in your music and what happens is if that becomes the norm anything that doesn't have heavy low end or doesn't have whatever element is has become the norm your your music is heard as less unprofessional. Hmm. This is my theory. So that's why that's why when when I'm going in to record a record and like you'll hear on my new record, you know, I'm doing everything I can. I wasn't the producer, but I'm I'm doing everything I can from where I'm sitting in the studio to increase the sound that this is modern. Even hmm. if I'm using drums, even if I'm using acoustic guitar, I I just don't want my music to be discounted because it doesn't sound modern. Mm. And I think that is the challenge as acoustic musicians that we will continue to face because even if what's like I was saying with this trend that I'm observing right now, music is, is a lot of people are going to start doing more acoustic stuff. Eventually that's going to get old too. Yeah. We'll have, let's say we have a year or two of that. Pendulum's going to swing the other way, you know? So we're always in this, in this, in this thing. But what Mario said to me, getting back to that, he said, I I told him what this other producer said about it being historic. You know, if you're Hmm. a dude with an acoustic guitar, you're historic. Wow. And I told Mario and he's like, dude, that's so wrong. It's like, he said, a person with an acoustic guitar, like speaking their truth is always going to resonate. And for me, I had this image of like, 2100 and like some people like chilling on Mars up in their like biodome <laughs> and someone shows up with a, an acoustic guitar and plays some songs about life on Mars or whatever it is. Hmm. It's like as long as there are humans and there are humans experiencing the human experience, finding ways to communicate that is going to work. And I think there's something really humble about the guitar that really does resonate. Mm. It's ancient in the right way. It allows you to tell the story of being human. It's ancient in the right way. Right. <laughs> but how do you communicate that in a modern way? 
Yeah, or to a modern palate. That is to the the person that figures that out wins. Right. And, and I mean wins in a big way because people are desperate for that that authenticity um, in th- that that is associated with the acoustic instrument. Mm. I'm not saying that there's not authentic music being made. There's plenty of authentic music being made, but there is a unique button you can press yes. as a u- acoustic musician that people are craving. They're desperate for it. Like it's it is actually something that I don't think is being hit very well. The person who is hitting it and is capitalizing on it and is the biggest artist in the world is Ed Sheeran. Hmm. He is the big, he just, his last <laughs> tour made 500 million. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. And he's just scratching the surface of what's possible as exactly. an acoustic songwriter. <laughs> but he, it's so modern, man. I mean, it is right. so modern. So I know that's my struggle. I think that's probably going to be your struggle too. Right. And and actually I'm I'm really passionate about spreading this message and I and I really try to tell it to a lot of people because I really believe that songwriting is important and I believe that acoustic musicians are important and that we we serve a, this like sort of truth-telling function mm-hmm. similar to how like a a comic is important. Mm. It's like there's a role in society hmm. that is is important, and and uh, you know I don't know I don't know that's my there's that's my manifesto. Yeah, there's a nostalgia associated with acoustic that it helps us stay centered. I think as a society on what songwriting always was and will be. Amen. Amen. So that's that's the beauty of it. I think is it it is the window into a person. There's no dress uh, dressing up or embellishing the sound. I think there's still the simplicity that allows for people to see into someone's feelings rather than be overwhelmed by sound. That, by the pro- production. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You see, I don't know, that's that's the rawness of it. It's, it's so interesting, though, is why the human brain perceives that as the, the purest yeah. type of music. You know, what is it about it? Well, it's just, I mean, it's like this Louis Capaldi song I was telling you, too. It's, it's just him and a piano. Wow. Mm-hmm. But... Modern, when you listen to that chorus, listen to the low end. Hmm. It is huge. It rivals a Drake track. Really? On on so so and he has the biggest song in the world right now, or one of the biggest songs in the world. So I I think figuring out how that how you balance those two, that that's the golden ticket, man. Hmm. That is that is the golden ticket. Great. <clears throat> All right, I want to finish off our session here with a few hot seat questions. Maybe Sweet. maybe 15 to 60 second answers on some of the questions and okay. I'm going to keep banging through them, okay? Okay. Okay. Uh cigarettes, is it a song about your addiction to nicotine? No. It's a song about ego, uh getting like addicted to fame and the idea of fame. Is the cigarette a symbol or is it, are you yes. actually, okay, it is. Yes. That's so good. I never really picked up on that until, okay. So it's not actually about cigarettes. It's not. Mm. Okay. I like that. What is your most unproductive habit? Re- YouTube and Reddit. <laughs> I just go into these. <laughs> You're going to say YouTube and Red Tube. <laughs> <laughs> I, All the tubes. All the tubes. All the tubes. <laughs> no, no, I actually, I'm, no, no, yeah. Straight shooter. Clean. No, I don't. I don't. I don't watch porn anymore. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> I, I quit. That's why the songwriting has gone down the tank. 
Okay, makes sense. <laughs> Never mind. I, I'm trying to understand this. YouTube and Reddit. Okay. Um, what is one habit you wish you did more of during the day or during the week? Something that you know you should be doing? Songwriting. Really? Yeah, 100%. You think you should write music every day? I'd love to, yeah, put myself in, this, in, the, in the situation to write every day. Because mm-hmm. whenever I get to an instrument and I sit with it long enough, I write something. Mm. A riff, a lyric, like something happens. Okay. Would you rather be full-time musician or would do you ever see yourself being a musician that plays and tours and also working in another profession? Yeah, I see. I see I'm not sure how it's going to work out yet, but mm-hmm. I definitely see my role in the world as, as just multifaceted. Yeah. Cause I, yeah. I'm, I'm interested by so much that just doing music sometimes feels limiting to me, mm. but when I don't have music, then I feel like spiritually drained. So having, having music, uh, be the meat and potatoes and then having other things surrounding it mm. is when I'm happiest. Mm-hmm. And what else, where do you enjoy serving other people or what else do you enjoy? Uh, doing? I really enjoy like plants and like trees and forests and, uh, all that stuff. So cool. I, I'm trying to figure out how, how to have my hands in like environmentalism and gardening and, and all that stuff. Um, I'm also like pretty into business and like, I've been having a lot of fun with that on the music side of things, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about most difficult part of being an active and touring musician and sustaining it in 2020 and beyond? Ooh. Are you talking about the context of 2020? Or yeah, just-, just nowadays versus even 20 years ago. What, what is the most difficult part about being a musician and especially going in forward into the future with the way the models have changed, the profit centers? Social media. Right. Social media, because you, you might as well get a degree in social media before you become a musician because it's, it's, it's so vital. Hmm. To, to, it's so vital right now to getting seen at the beginning. Hmm. Even going forward. Yeah. I just, I mean, I just think it's going to morph. I yeah. mean, maybe in five years, Instagram's dead and we're all having to stream on Twitch. Yeah. 24 or a VR a day. platform where you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. What, what do you want written on your tombstone? And you can put it and like I said, an asterisk, the bottom. That's an exception to that rule. Oh man. There's some there's some Kurt Vonnegut joke about your epitaph that I wanted to I wish I could pull up from my brain right now. Um what do I want it to say on my tombstone? Let's start with what you uh-huh. here lies Zach Heckendorf. Here lies So Zach a little bit about you and then the lesson that someone should read at the end of it. Uh <sighs> Oh, this is tough, dude. Mm I ask the tough questions. Yeah, dude. The hot, the heavy hitters. Yeah. Um, this is hot seat. I see you sweating. I am sweating internally. I don't know, dude. Probably some lyric. What's a good lyric? Probably want to put a lyric on there somewhere. Maybe of mine. Maybe of someone else's. But uh, I don't know. I just so I um I I hope my tombstone says he he was a force of good. A force of good. A net. Uh, he 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 was positive force of good more than he was a negative force of bad. Okay. But the scales were at least 60-40. <laughs> right. He was a 51-49 good. Yeah. He inched out in the end. If I if I can do that, then I'm... I'm yeah. Happy. It was his death that really tipped the scale. That was ultimately what brought the most good into the world. <laughs> that was the final. He got two percentage points for just dying. <laughs> he was a net plus to the world after he died. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, great. Well, I think that, let's see if there's anything else that I was interested in. Yeah. Anything that you want to tell people going forward that are in Denver, uh, obviously that to come to the show in January, but about yourself and about, you know, why they should be interested in you, um, or what, what you've learned, what you want them to know, a message that you'd like for other people to take from you. I mean, I think I really, hmm, I, uh, I hope people join the, the, the process. Like, I think, I think I'm doing everything I can to like make it fun for people. And I hope my, my goal is to make this as rewarding for the fans as it is for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, I think I'm very aware of just the give and take and the relationship between fan and artist. So as this grows, I think it's something that I'm very conscious of and, and I think about a lot. So I don't know. I think uh, if if you ever become a fan, if you like the music, it's like I'll I'll, I'll treat you well. You know, yeah. I'll do everything in my power to to uh, make that an enjoyable experience. How can someone support you beyond just the traditional coming to a show or um, streaming your music? What, what, what is it? How do you support a musician now? So supporting a musician now looks a lot like. I mean, it means it means kind of being an advocate for them. I think if you really want to help a musician these days, you tell your friends to, or, or you want to support a musician, you tell, you follow them on social media, you interact with them on social media, you tell your friends to follow them on social yeah. media. That you, th- you know, we are in the time uh, when we need like real advocates for our music in order for things to to happen. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's funny how it's a grassroots effort and word of mouth that you're asking for in a sense that people through their own relationships bring you up. Totally. Right. Totally. Totally, man. You're not asking for anybody to share everything digitally to everyone, but to just speak to people that they know, even as a way of starting their friends, their family, their closest ones. Yeah. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, well, I think, uh, that's just how, that's just how I guess it always is, man. Yeah. But but the reason that's important in a modern context is because if you you can only I think unless you have something go viral, mm-hmm. you can only really create an awesome uh, social media p- platform for yourself if you have that grassroots. Right. So you either go viral, and like that you have that magic happen, or you do it old school and you 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 merge the old school and the new school. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to go to? 20 cities a year and play a show for 150 people in a very intimate venue and make a great living doing that or what, you know, through other obviously income streams, maybe have something on a TV show, but to not necessarily tip the scales with fame, but to make a sustainable career in music where people know you in every city and you have your family yeah, rather than random fans that you don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think is uh, that the dream or do you I mean can is there a middle ground where people can make a living in music and be happy knowing almost all of their fans in places? Yeah, I think I think it does exist. I mean, I think what's happening right now is is just like with everything else, there's there's really big winners. Yeah. And there's not the, the there's not a huge middle class in music right now. And I think I think mm. what you're what you're saying you're you're saying the middle class is like to me, like if you're if you're if you're able to do 150 people in 20 shows in America, that's 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 all. I mean, dude, that's a that's a dream. I think uh, I don't know. I'm definitely shooting for bigger because I 
I don't know. I've, I, I, yeah, I've always wanted to be in the pop space. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I, and I don't, I used to be ashamed of saying that, but now I, I, yeah, I like saying it, but, but I think, uh, I think it's going to be, you got to find ways to make money. If you're trying to do music, you have mm. to be savvy. If you can, if you're, if you, if you have those loyal fans, 150 in 20 cities, you got to figure out a way if you want to support a family and you want to do all that kind yeah. of stuff, you, you, you got to get savvy. Hmm. And I don't, I don't always know the answer to that. And I think that's why a big part of me wants to like shoot for the moon in a lot of ways, because I, in 10 years, I don't want to have to worry yeah. about, yeah. I don't want to, I will not be in music in 10 years if, if I have to like fight for people to come out to my, my hometown show. Right. Like I don't, I don't, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or financially music now is a cause of worry for you rather than an art. Exactly. Exactly. And so, so I'm trying to like really have like kind of an, an abundance yeah. mindset with this because of that, like in order for me to be, want to make music in 10 years, I'll always make music no matter what, even if I, sure, this sure, completely sure. fails and blows up. But in order, if, if, if it's going to be a business for me in 10 years or whatever, it's, it's gotta, I gotta be comfortable. Yeah. Financially, because yeah. I want kids. I want you know, it's here. like running any other, but you don't want to break even. You need some cash flow to take home to make it worth the headache. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, uh, that's a real, um, I think we're all figuring that out in the music world right now. Mm. How do mm -hmm. you make this a viable career, not just for 10 years, but yeah. for your whole life? And I, that's what I want. I mean, I want to be a lifer. Yeah. And that's why I say right now, I'm going, I'm shooting for the moon because, that's what I, I mean. I want this to last my whole life. Yeah. I want to be, I want to be 80 and, you know, playing, playing the harvest <laughs> at something. I want you to think about doing a subscription model because let me put it this way. Yeah. I buy my friend, Sam, four beers a month minimum Yeah. in our social interactions together. Yeah. Sam doesn't make any music. Yeah. Sam barely deserves the four beers. You're but just a I nice could, guy. <laughs> that's all I'm trying to, I'm going to stop it right there. I just wanted to stamp that at the end of our podcast. And, <laughs> so what I want you to know is I'm nice. But in addition to that, Sam's a wonderful guy. And yeah. But secondly, I would buy a handful of musicians that I've even had the privilege to know personally, four to five beers a month, so to speak, by sending them money or subscribing to some type of content campaign that they do yeah. or access is, are you, do you, what, what is the thought around that? Because there are a lot of people that would love to send five, seven, nine, $15 a month yeah. to someone and say, wait a minute, I spent way more than that in one weekend with my friends. I think that's really smart. And I, it's something I want to do, but it, it, that, that prospect just feels overwhelming to me for where I'm at because I'm so in the mindset of creating content for everyone. Sure. Like I'm trying to grow my numbers on social media. Sure, sure, sure. So, so the priority in my mind is make content for everyone. Yeah. And the added pressure of creating content for people who are supporting mm -hmm. you financially feels slightly overwhelming to me. What about not even making content, but just giving people an avenue, an avenue to? to send yeah. you five bucks a month? Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, yeah, if I, if I could, yeah. I'd, I'd have to make sure they felt that their money was being honored mm -hmm. and spent well and, and not just being thrown away. Cause, but yeah, that's, that's probably a good idea. I'm just thinking if I knew I'd be happy, I'd be like, man, 
for a few years, Zach was paying his bills and hustling and, and his music hit. It got onto one TV show, you know, and, and things started to take off. Yeah. But I was one of the people that in a very tiny, tiny way helped him make a living out of what he wanted to do. Yes. You know, man, that's, yeah, that's such a good idea. It's, it would be nothing to me, you know, like I wouldn't yeah. think of it once. I would say, I'm going to subscribe to this for the rest of my life Yeah, and with my credit card, you know? So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give it a thought. Cause I think there's a lot of people, especially, you know, accomplished business people and, and maybe older folks that, yeah. that have money and want to support in a very small way. That's a good idea, man. Well, that's, that's honestly, that's a, that's a business idea right there. Yeah, it is. Just uh, connecting people with, with connecting musicians and artists with pools of capital somehow yeah or you know it's more philanthropy than anything but um yeah i would do it you know so you're gonna be paying my bills for the next Whoa. year yeah yeah <laughs> i gotta look at the price of the beer again just to figure out what kind of beer i'm buying effectively all right well i really appreciate you coming down here in the basement with Dude, harps and hanging fun. out you're, tea with tea. You're you're good at this, man. Thanks. I'm I'm just getting started. I I, I think I want to keep refining the questions, but to I'm going to mix and mash this up a little bit. The songwriting segments and comments, commentary about modern music and acoustic music. I think there's a lot that that we talked about. Yeah, it's just pretty cool. Word. Yeah. So awesome, I hope that Thanks you can come me. back again. And uh, the show is January 9th, correct? January 9th at the Bluebird. January 9th at the Bluebird with, with Nina and the Moonlighters Nina. opening up. Okay, great. And and what time do the doors open for that? Mm, my, my guess is, se- yeah. Yeah, the show seven. starts around eight. Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, you can check out Zach on social media. He's on uh, Instagram, just Z Heckendorf. Is that right? Yep. Z Heckendorf and Zach Heckendorf on Facebook. Uh, he has a website as well. Check him out. Denver-based musician, very well-known in the community here and a fantastic songwriter and friend. Thank you for hanging out. Zach. Thank you, bro. And we'll talk to you.